0: This is Comma Shenagans, episode 738, a conversation with Ben Rab. Welcome to the Comic Podcast. I'm your host Adam Chapman. This is a, episode 738. It's our conversation with Ben Rabb as I sit down to talk with the writer about uh, working in the comic industry, uh, kind of coming into the comic industry, working as an editor uh, or like working in editorial, working in behind the scenes and then transitioning into actually writing uh, comics for Marvel. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about kind of transitioning out of that and then working in, in TV. Um, so it's a, it was a really interesting conversation. Um, we got to sit down and, and talk for a little bit and just kind of hearing how he kind of navigated his way through a bunch of different things, how he, you know, was working on Excalibur and a bunch of those kind of X-Books in the mid-90s um, and how eventually, you know, again, he moved into working in television and actually kind of coming full circle and working on, uh, the, you know, The Flash and The Arrow uh, TV series at some at different points. So it's was a very, uh, very fun conversation. I think you're really good enjoy it, you can always email me at comic shenanigans at gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, our next episode, uh, our non-reviews episode, will be the first episode of 2020, in which will be a conversation with Jim Krueger, who's uh, going to be working on the upcoming Marvel's X series, uh, which is the preview, uh, sorry, not preview, the um, prequel to Earth X. And that whole trilogy of books, they were X, Universe X, and Paradise X. So that'll be a great conversation. Well, I've already had it, so I know it's a great conversation, but I think you're really going to enjoy it. But without further ado, um, let's instead jump right into our conversation with Ben Rabb on the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. Ben, welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I always like to kind of go back in in time for uh, whenever we start one of these interviews and just kind of have a sense of uh, when did you first interact with comic books as a medium?
1: Uh, I was probably six years old. Uh, Roughly around the time, uh, I think Uncanny X Men 107 might have been like one of my first comics. It was either that one or Aquaman 58. Uh, a long time ago but uh but, but but those are definitely some of the early books that i got and uh you know the old treasury editions i remember i had like the shazam tv show treasury edition and, wow. and the uh, yeah and the you know uh some of the marvel ones i had the king kong treasury edition i mean so suffice so to say comics have been a part, uh, an integral part of my life uh since a, a very very young age
0: and when did you kind of, I mean, so obviously you ended up working at Marvel in the 90s. How did, what was your route to Marvel? Did you always kind of know this is where I want to go or was it kind of happenstance or how did this kind of play out? Uh,
1: it, it, it wasn't, a, a plan. Um, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, although I had been sort of training for it my entire life. I mean, I was definitely more of a Marvel kid than, than a DC, uh, I guess a Marvel zombie, you could say, um, more than a DC fan, um, at least from a comic book side, you know, other media, DC seemed to have more of a, a foothold, um, you know, since Batman teen show and Superman movie and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, but my route to it, um, while I was in college, I was taking a couple of screenwriting classes and, Just on a on a whim, and again, this is like the you know early '90s, very like 1991. I was like, oh, you know, I I keep reading that they're going to make an X Men movie, and I'm you know, I spent a lot of bar mitzvah money on X Men comics, so you know, I know I know those characters pretty well. I'm going to be the one who writes the X Men movies. uh, (laughs) I naively thought, um, and and spent many a a weekend night, my you know writing screenplays uh i wrote two of three i had a planned trilogy uh and i got (laughs) those done and then um never went to hollywood so so that didn't pan out but then after college i uh actually got an internship at marvel um and uh i was in the special projects department i was working um under uh bob Budiansky, tom Revort at the time was in that department and glenn greenberg and, you know, my job was to um, Gather the, the reference for the uh, It was the different, you know, trading cards and posters and stuff And, and um, they were working on one of the X-Men card series And as, you know, fate turned out I had a, a, a page and panel knowledge of which shots to send the artists So I was in and out of that office constantly getting reference And, you know bob harris and his assistant at the time lisa patrick were there and uh you know i i they, they knew i knew what i was looking for i didn't need them to, to to guide me and uh when my internship was up the question was you know does anybody want to hire me and this was you know circa 1993 um when the, the boom was happening and, and marvel was expanding at a, at a ridiculously rapid rate so they needed staff and uh special projects department offered me a spot um Don Daly was promoting his uh, assistant at the time. This guy Tim Toohey. He offered me a shot uh, to be the assistant editor on the Punishers Punisher books. And I was like, Well, I guess maybe one of these two sounds like a good job. And then to my surprise, Bob Harris, you know, heard that I was, you know, going to be possibly taking one of them. And he's like, Look, I'm about to promote my assistant. Would you like to work in my office? And I was like, <laughs> That's the office for me. So uh, that, was, that was that was my childhood dream come true. But it wasn't planned. It was it was kind of a a weird string of coincidences and and ultimately the result of um, just, you know, getting a shot to be where, you know, in a place that I loved doing something that that was fantastic. And and I didn't even realize was a job, you know, when I was in college. Um, So, yeah, that's that's kind of how that
0: happened. So what was the energy like? I mean, as you said, this is a very interesting period of Marvel. There's rapid expansion. You're now you're in the X office. You have a pretty young stable of writers who were writing the books at the time. You had Fabian, who was, again, not that old at the time. Scott definitely wasn't. Right. You had this very young, new crop, and then you're a younger guy yourself. What is that like kind of being part of that process? Well, it
1: was certainly very exciting, and... and, and But there obviously had been drama, you know, before I got there, with you know Chris being on the book for so long and and being let go, and you know, and and Scott and Fabian having to sort of come in and fill the void, um, you know, which they did in their own their own unique ways. I mean, you know, I think they both contributed something um, special to Marvel at that time, specifically these characters. Um, You know, the '90s was a weird weird time in comics. Uh, It's a very like i feel like it's a very transitional period to have sort of grown up in that industry Mm. um, and to have been a part of it Um, i know a lot of people sort of look back on it with less than fondness uh, (laughs) for various reasons um you know but but at the same time you know a lot of it was was just a time of change and you know with image coming out and you know all those creators sort of you know making their putting their stamp on not only you know institutions like the Marvel or DC characters, but also, you know, coming up with their own and forging their own path. Like, it was it was a time of, of, of exponential growth and change, and some for the better, some for the worse. You know, a lot of leather jackets, a lot of pouches and pockets and <laughs> things that just seemed like, why, why, why are we over-complicating things? And it just, I, I think the world was more complicated, or had become more complicated in the wake of things like, you know, Dark Knight and Watchmen and and I think everybody sort of aspired to that and you know, maybe didn't quite achieve it, but you know, you, you gotta go through these these sort of growing pains to sort of get to something else and I think I think that's kinda what the nineties were,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. So, w- when you're working in the X Office, I mean, you're you're there kind of ground zero as like the Age of Apocalypse is being rolled out, as Phalanx Covenant's being rolled out. Like, again, what is it like to kind of see, I mean, especially Age of Apocalypse, which is such a giant project, um, which is kind yeah. of amazing that it happened and that it was so well received and, and still looked upon fairly fondly from those people who aren't afraid of looking at the 90s with, you know, with uh, appreciation. Uh, so, what's it like to kind of be part of that maelstrom of trying to put out those books uh, with as intricate as they weren't? It was the plotting. Did it feel like everyone was just kind of running by the seat of their pants? And did it feel like a meticulous project?
1: Uh, There was a lot of thought put into it. And and I'll I'll be honest, not everyone was ready ready to receive it uh, with fondness at the time. I mean, we used to get. I've told the story a million times, but I'll tell you as well for your your listeners um, that maybe haven't heard it. I'll never forget. There was one time I got a phone call from a fan that you know tracked down the Marvel office number. They put me. They asked to be talk, connected to the X office through reception, and I got on the phone. And forty five minutes to an hour of my day was spent talking this person off the ledge because they were reacting to the fact that you're canceling X Men. It's the number one selling book in the world. Why would you do that? You know. <laughs> and I was like, I can't tell you what we're doing. But you just have to trust me. It's going to be fun. You're going to like it. And after age apocalypse finally did come out uh that person did call back and did say you know what you were right and you know i really appreciated that it was it was nice to sort of because uh, that look we, i understood it you know but we've all been on the outside of these events like we see things being publicized like oh this is coming this is coming and like, like oh is this gonna be good or is this gonna be bad i mean you know, I remember the ads for you know its assistant editors' month at Marvel. <laughs> and I was like, well, what's that going to mean? And it was you know it was pretty funny. Um, but you know, when you're on the inside and you're seeing it happening, you, you you sometimes forget that. Oh, the average person has no idea what we're doing. You know, this was sort of pre-internet or at the nascent of the internet, so there wasn't a lot of you know online gossip or or, or speculation. It was all you know. You know, someone read somewhere in in Comic Scene magazine that the X Men books are going to be canceled, or you know what I mean. Like, where there was a press release that the X Men, you know, Marvel is canceling the X Men, and you're just like, what? What does that even mean? Why would that happen? <laughs> um, but there was there was definitely a vision for it. Um, you know, Bob Harris, uh, you know, was, was a big time Star Trek fan, and you know, heavily influenced by things like you know, Mirror Mirror, and. Yesterday's enterprise and really, you know, aspired to do a story set in the X Men universe that, as as those stories made us feel of fans of you know of, of Star Trek, like you can do alternate reality stories where you see these characters in a different light and you play them in a different way, and it's just as impactful as if they were the ones that we know and love now. You know, it's a great chance to sort of hey. Everyone's secretly pining for, you know, Wolverine and Jean Grey to get together. Well, guess what? Here they are, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, characters that died that, you know, like, I mean, Morph was a great example of a character that, you know, anyone that remember Changeling, (laughs) you know, from X-Men 42 way back when, you know, died as Professor X. Again, great twist guess what you're gonna see him again and we had an opportunity to do, introduce new characters like blink you know blink was always a fun character and you know between that concept for that character then Joe Matarera's designs like you just had uh, just a, it was a spark of creativity and fun that I think the the creators themselves really uh, I think got inspired um, I hope I mean you know I, they could tell you better than I could I just I remember being at the the um, Story conferences we would have for that, and it was just—it was just really cool to be a part of that.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, when you were younger seeing Assistant Editors Month. If they had done an Assistant Editors Month in the nineties, what would you have done with that concept? Like, what would you have done with what the books you were editing <laughs> at the time? What would you have done that would have been fun and crazy?
1: You know, that's an excellent. I wish I had an answer right now. That's—that's that's a fantastic question. Um, what would we have done? I don't know. We didn't have time for it. We had too much stuff going on. That's true.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, you know, I, I yeah, it's a good question. It really is because uh, we there were so many books being put out at the time that you know we just uh, to have stopped to have think about it and have the assistance, you know, all sort of collaborate together. Um, it would have been really cool to do that. I don't. I mean, like I said, no one ever really had the thought to do it again. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that's that's a neat idea. Uh and, of people, if you're listening, you should do it <laughs> in and
0: around this period. So you did, you got to do a, a Hardy's tie-in for uh, for X Men, which I <laughs> yes. literally only found out about recently because I'm I'm in Canada, so we don't have Hardys. So, but uh, okay. can you walk us through what was that like putting together that? Because that's you know that's pretty exciting. Because at the, up until this point, you had no writing credits with Marvel, did you?
1: Um. My first – well, I'd written a couple of articles for Marvel Age. Okay. I did like a, a, an Inker profile of Gary quappus for the Punisher uh, edition. Uh, I think I'd, I'd written one, one other thing. I can't remember what it was. But then I, I'd actually – I think at that point I'd written uh, – I did a backup, a giant man backup story in Avengers 375. Okay. And then a Black Widow backup when Marvel was doing those double features, mm-hmm. uh, which I think it was Avengers 382. That was sort of the beginning of my my writing, and I, I don't remember when in the timeline the the the, the Hardy's tie-in fell, <laughs> um, but I do remember yeah, the time gliders or something like that. Yeah, something absolutely absurd. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was look, listen, I was writing the X Men. I wasn't going to complain. It was fantastic. <laughs>
0: How does that like? How does that kind of project end up on on your desk though? Because I mean, guys you've you've started writing some projects, but was it more of kind of a all oh, hands on deck? We have another project. Who wants to do this?
1: Um, my my friend uh, Scott Marshall was the assistant editor under Glenn Hurdling, and he was. In, those guys were in charge of the um, like the the corporate ties and stuff like that. Like they, they published. Uh, I think they helped publish like the. Um, the Marvel like, annual reports that were always done with you know a combination of you know the facts and figures for the board as well as you know art done by you know creators like they, they put that stuff together. Uh, I think I think that's that's how I got that job if I remember correctly. Um, hmm. And again, they, they they had it you know they're like look we need we need someone to write these things. You obviously know the X Men so if you want to do it, and I was like sure.
0: Now, in and around this period, it feels like that you, I mean, I'm looking at some of the credits that have been listed in comic book DB, and it looks like there's a lot of kind of you writing with Terry Kavanaugh. Was there like, were you guys kind of collaborating or what were the credits like between you two? Um, is that like the, like the 2099 stuff? Yeah. And I think all new exiles as well. Yes. Terry
1: did, Yeah. Again, that's when like Marvel acquired Malibu, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Those were Malibu comics. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Terry was a senior, you know, senior writer and editor and, uh, you know, it, I think it was part of, partly because, you know, he brought a level of validity to the work. Um, we collaborated together on some of those. Uh, you know, I, I did, you know, whatever he, he was not available to do because he was doing other projects or I think he was doing Spider-Man stuff at the time, probably. Um, so, you know, I got paired up with him to, to sort of see it through to the end um but you know he was the more senior writer on those uh as for the 2099 things um that's kind of the same um like i said because i was you know i was still just sort of breaking in so uh i think there was a level of comfort feeling like look there's an experienced writer kind of overseeing this newbie as he's just starting out um and i love terry he's he actually (laughs) uh, ironically enough ended up living across the hall in this apartment from my uh, my then-girlfriend, now-wife. Um, oh, wow. And so when, when she and I got engaged and I moved in with her, I lived across the hall from him and, and, and his wife, and they're just, they're just such great people.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm curious also, so I'm a big fan of Daredevil. You do have a Daredevil writing credit. Um, around, yes. I think issue 352. Yeah. So what was yeah. it like to be able to write Daredevil? You're doing it solo. Again, this is pretty early in the writing career. What's it like to kind of t- to be able to take on you know, his adventures for an issue. Was it always kind of pitched as just do a fill-in, get us to the next writer, or? Yeah, that was
1: basically just a fill-in. I mean, it was, uh, you know, kind of uh, a, a drawer story um, to make sure that, you know, deadlines were met in case uh, things were falling behind. And I think at that point, some somebody had fallen behind, so they needed something quick, and, and so I wrote that story.
0: And you also wrote a, a few really memorable what-if stories. I'm just curious if you, what was it about what-if the kind of, really kind of grabbed your attention because it was a different format at the time obviously because it wasn't like specific events anymore it was kind of more just with characters going in crazy directions
1: right yeah No. the the what if my my, what if was actually my first full-length comic uh and that was uh, the editor was um marcus marcus mclaurin um was kind enough to give me that that shot um and ariel olivetti drew and it it was it was really that was a fun one um that was arachnomorphosis what if what if Spider-Man, you know, hadn't gotten his powers, but he passed them on to his mutant son. Um, again, very, a very heavily X-Men influenced uh, concept. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, like I wanted to do a horror story, and it was like, oh, that's kind of a horror story. Like that was cool. Um, and then the, the Fantastic Four one, and then the Bishop for the the negative one issues. I remember that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, what if you know? It's it's such a great concept, like the the idea of taking what we already know and just doing it slightly different, you know, if, if, if events had played out in a different way, it was always a lot of fun.
0: What do you, I mean, it's interesting because yours obviously, again, the first one with the Spider-Man was more horror-tinged. It's interesting because what if, as a concept, it seems like more often than not, they go to the extreme and dark. Like, and it didn't start off that way in the first volume, but in the second volume especially, it felt like every story had, ended up going, having a, a, a straight right turn right into, like, the worst scenario possible.
1: That was the 90s. (laughs) I guess,
0: yeah. There's never a happy ending in What If, typically.
1: No, no. It was was very much a, you know, let's Twilight Zone the hell out of this.
0: (laughs) Uh, And I'm curious how you came to write the Black Knight Exodus uh, one-shot. Because, I mean, I've always enjoyed that book. It's got great art by Jimmy Chung. But I'm just curious how you came to write that particular book. Uh, Again, I think that was something that was, like, scheduled without a creative team. Um,
1: like it's the '90s. and We need to put out product, uh, and if it's and if it, if you can slap anything ex adjacent on it, then even better. Um, and I think I think that's pretty much how it came about. I think that was uh, Kelly Corvese was the editor, um, and uh, either he or his assistant Jay Gardner at the time were the ones that that you know approached me and said, "Hey, do you want to take a crack at this?" Um, that was I mean that was a fun one too. And yeah, Jim Chung was that was. He's one of the definitely one of the, the cooler artists I've gotten the chance to work with. I loved his work, and, and I
0: think he's just like such a star when it comes to what he does on the page. No, as you as you're kind of getting your feet wet, like what are your scripts look like at this point? Like, are you going full script? Are you more Marvel style as you kind of ease into this? Like, what is that process, and how would you chart the evolution of your scripts during this period?
1: Well, I mean, you know, all the Marvel work was Marvel style, so you know that was. Um, Uh, i think both versions were a learning curve um uh, you know the 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 benefit of marvel style is you don't have to be as detailed on you know what the characters are saying obviously you're you're you know you're just sort of laying out for the artist like here's what the here's what the visuals are um and then having to figure out you know with with an eye toward okay i wanted i know what they're going through in this moment as i'm you know putting them as the artist is drawing them on the page but um so you actually do sit down and dialogue it that you're really figuring it out. Um, when I started working, doing more work for DC, DC was a full script scenario, mm. and and so that you know that was sort of a, a change in evolution in how I approach things. And I think I think it streamlined things a little bit because you kind of saw like wow, I'm putting a lot of copy on the page, um, mm. you know, f- from the onset, as opposed to okay, I know what I ha- I know what the page looks like now, I have to tailor the dialogue so that it doesn't overwhelm you know this this beautiful art Uh, but uh, I mean I I, I'm okay working in both formats Um, but as you know obviously as a television writer full script
0: (laughs) works a little bit better for me yeah (laughs) Now, if if you, I mean, if you're writing a comic today, which one would you prefer to, to write? I mean, obviously, you're you've been writing full scripts for a, a longer period now, so it might be hard yeah. to, to move away from that. But what is your kind of preferred style of writing a comic book? I, I mean, I definitely,
1: I, it, it, I think full script is is more preferable to me. I'm actually my my TV writing partner Derek Hughes and I are actually working on a graphic novel for a publisher, which hopefully will be announced in the next several months, um, and. Uh, and we're outlining with an eye toward what the full script will look like, which is very, you know, something I didn't do last time, but now I'm doing because I, I, I do think that when I get to, you know, once we have the approval on the story and the shape that it's going to take, I do want to be able to jump into a full script because um, it just goes kind of
0: quicker for me now. Mm. What was the, I mean, so you go from being an intern to being an assistant editor and now you're writing more and more. What was the decision like to kind of ease off the editorial duties and just focus on the writing? Was that an easy decision or is it a harder one to make? Well,
1: the, the, the you know, again, mid nineties, um, <laughs> things were, things were falling apart. Um, you know, uh, the two Christmases roughly around Christmas time in a row, we were seeing downsizing happening at Marvel and it didn't look like as opposed to growing things were starting to contract and it didn't look like there was going to be opportunity for promotions anytime soon. And everyone was worried about their jobs. And then, you know, I'm writing comics more freelance at this time. It's like the end of 95 going into 96, roughly Um, I'm starting to work on Excalibur and, you know, having a monthly book and a couple of other projects that were, in the works um my days were getting longer and um I ended up working because I because it looked like the editorial department wasn't gonna you know it wasn't a safe place it didn't feel safe anymore I was looking for a bit of stability and Marvel started an interactive department which wasn't on the 10th floor um at 387 Park Avenue South it was on the 12th which was the executive floor um but there was more money and it, this interactive department was going to launch Marvel's AOL site. If you remember that and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and their first website and which was, uh, we could have done better, but whatever um, <laughs> it was a start. It was the nineties. We were figuring it out. And uh, it just, it just felt like there was more opportunity there. But, um, but I was writing comics at the same time. And so I was working like 20 hour days to the point where I'm like, you know what? I, uh, you know, I, I don't know about this internet thing. I'm not sure it's gonna take off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I decided to uh, to to write comics, you know freelance full time. Um, which maybe wasn't the smartest, stable decision in the world, but it was where my my passion lied. you know so I, 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 I didn't want to I and mean, I'll never forget I went to one conference in San Francisco that was I didn't even know who to talk to. You know, I was like, oh, this is going to be like Comic-Con, I get it. And, it, and it wasn't, it was all tech heads, it was all Silicon Valley, and I'm just like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to be doing, and that was kind of the wake-up call, that was the, this is not where my passion is and what I want to pursue, and so I decided to go freelance full-time, and this was the end of 96, going into 97, and that's that's when it started.
0: What was it like? I mean, so in and around this period, obviously, as you said, you you take over Excalibur. That's your first kind of ongoing regular gig. Did that? Did, I mean, at the time, did you kind of feel like I made it? I did it. I, you know, I'm I'm, a, I'm writing a regular monthly book. I'm not just doing special projects. I'm not just doing fill-ins anymore. Now I've got a book of my own that I can chart the direction on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and it looked like I mean my editor was Matt Idelson who was a a good friend and you know we kind of came up together as assistant editors and we kind of you know shared a lot of um I you know same ideas and and believe it or not he had procured an artist that I couldn't wait to work with uh and that was John Cassidy um Mm -hmm. and John and I got to know each other and started plotting out what we can do with this book and we were just like yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this really cool stuff with these European X-Men and we're gonna give it a different a different tone and a different uh way of telling stories and everything. We had great ideas. We're gonna introduce some new characters and uh and then it switched editorial hands. And you know in that time John never heard from the new editor. So he ended up getting an offer to work on Desperados for wow. uh you know for Wildstorm knowledge. And he decided to go do that So that never happened <laughs> so, you know, so, so his career took off, Planetary came after that and, You know, I was still working on Excalibur Which, over the next 18 months, had a run of Multiple artists, didn't have any You know, Salvador Roca ended up drawing the book For a little bit, and that was really cool um, But he only stayed around for a little while and then, um, and then it was like I said, just a rotating slew of artists and some really good ones, like Pete Woods mm-hmm. was on the book for a little bit. Um, Melvin Ruby was on there for a little bit. I mean, John was kind enough to do some coverage for us. Uh, it was great. You know, I thought it was going well. Um, oh, Dale Eagleson drew the book at one point. That's right. Um, but um, but then they canceled the book, <laughs> so uh, you know, didn't quite. Last as long as I'd hoped, didn't have that epic run, and it's you know it's it's um, noticeably not been collected. So I'm guessing uh, the response to it was not that great internally at Marvel. Um, you know, then I mean, I was kind enough; uh, they were kind enough to give me like a, a four issue miniseries that Mark Powers edited, um, which Pablo Mondi drew, and it uh, was sort of a you know just a, Cap- a Captain Britain specific story. Uh, him and Megan and, and, and Excalibur, the sword and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd heard internally that, um, you know, certain people weren't real fans of my writing. And that was sort of where my work at Marvel starts to dry up. Hmm. Um, I was lucky I was getting work, more work at DC, which was cool. Um, but, you know, I just, uh, to, to to your point of, you, you know, you kind of, you think, holy crap, I've made it. And no, you haven't. And, and again, this is uh, in retrospect, I can look at back at it and go, okay, that was that was a learning experience, but it was it was pretty crushing at the time.
0: What was the, I mean, when you start taking on DC work? Like, does that feel weird at first? Because I mean, obviously it's a business it's a it's a business, and you're going to go the where the work is. But how much of the kind of the, the young fan in you who was the Marvel zombie was like, well, where are you going?
1: A little bit, yeah. I mean, like I said, having been raised on those those characters and, and those books, like I was like, well... So I guess I'm just not good enough for the world that I love, uh, but but it was fine. I mean, look, it, there were plenty of characters in DC that I loved as well, and I got to you know to work on some of those. Um, it didn't always pan out there either. You know, editorial winds shift, and people come in and people go, and someone that's a fan of yours and a supporter might get shifted to another book, and next thing you know, you're working with editors that you know aren't as big a fan, or there's a new you know editor in chief comes in that doesn't. Quite see why you're writing a certain book, and they have you know someone in mind they would really like to see go on that book, and you you know that's just that's that's it's just how it goes. You know, we're, we're freelancers, we're we're subject to the whim of whoever's in charge.
0: Did you ever um, consider getting some, back some freelancers? I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I was just going to say, did you ever consider getting back into the editorial game to kind of have more, of, more of a measure of control, as opposed to just kind of shift, uh, you know, kind of floating on the the shifting editorial winds? Um.
1: No, because I. Well, look, I mean, maybe it's a little bit of pride, but part of me felt like it, it would have been a step back. You know, I knew, I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. It's why, it's why I left editorial in the first place is because I was starting to write and I'm like, this is really what I want to do. And if I wanted to give it a shot, I had to, I had to keep at it. Um, you know, around that time when, when the comics work started to dry up, um, you know, my wife and I had already moved out to, to LA and, um, you know, within a year or two of that, I met my, you know, my writing partner in, in a in a comic store, no less. Um. <laughs> And, uh, and began that journey, which took about eight years of, 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 of slogging and trying to, 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 crack into the world of Hollywood before it finally did happen. Um, again, it's all about perseverance. It's all about improving your craft and saying, I'm good today, but I'm going to be better tomorrow.
0: I want to go back just for one second, uh, before we kind of leave comics for a moment. And, uh, what was it like working on the Union Jack miniseries with John? You finally got the book oh, no. with him.
1: Yeah, that was that was so much fun. I mean, well, John and I did two things together. We did the X Men Alpha Flight two parter. That's right. Um, which which by the way, like when when I saw that that thing had been collected in the in the John Byrne Alpha Flight omnibus, I was like, whoa, <laughs> never thought that was going to happen. That was pretty cool. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, then we did Union Jack, and and that was around. Okay, so we pitched that around ninety seven, ninety eight when. I don't know if you, you probably don't remember. We we remember it because <laughs> remember when Wizard Magazine used to sort of be like, oh, these characters should be action figures, mm, you yes. know? And and Union Jack, they, they were going to make one, and we're like, that should be that that character should be a book again, you know? And and so we pitched a I don't that they had a book, but like you know, no one's doing anything with him, and let's get him. You know, if we, if we can't do Invaders, maybe we can just do Union Jack. And so we pitched a sequel to the to the Roger Stern John Byrne story with Baron Blood and. Tom Brevoort was, you know, cool enough to buy it, and uh, and we got to do it, the two of us, and that was that was that was a great experience. I think Dave Stewart did the colors
0: on that, if I remember correctly. Um, just that that was just such a fun project. What was the collaboration or collaborative process like between you and John?
1: Well, I mean, John's such a, I mean, he's so talented, and such a smart guy, and like, it's just you know, he understands the, the medium of comics better than than so many people. Um, Plus cinema, you know, like, and we wanted to bring sort of a cinematic quality to it. And, and, you know, he just knew the mood and the atmosphere that he needed to put down on paper. Um, And, you know, we would just sort of, you know, banter the dialogue back and forth till we landed on something that worked. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was just, it was a very seamless, easy process and, and just a lot of fun.
0: Now you mentioned that you moved out to LA. What was the kind of impetus to move out to LA? Was it always kind of with a plan to move into, you know, breaking into Hollywood or is it other, other reasons or?
1: No, my, my wife actually got a job out here. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, yes, sure. I, you know, around the time we moved out here, that was 99 at the end of the year, October of 99. Um, you know, I started making some inroads at Wildstorm and doing some work for those guys because, you know, they, it's like they were based down in San Diego. um, I was able to sort of, you know, drive down, take a meeting, maybe get some work out of it. Um, You know, I was able to keep my comics career alive for a few years. Um, But it was, like I said, it was her job that that brought us here. Um, But when I met my writing partner, who was a a writer's assistant on a show called Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, um, which is like a syndicated sci-fi show with uh, Kevin Sorbo, um, you know, I kind of wanted to pick his brain and, and learn about the TV world from the inside. And, and, uh, you know, we started collaborating on some ideas and we're given a chance to, to come in and pitch to, to that show by Robert Wolf, who was the showrunner who, who came from the star Trek camp. And in that star Trek camp, um, freelance writing is, is sort of common, right? They've got 26 episodes to make a season, mm-hmm. you know, seven or eight people can't do that. They need to bring in some, you know, extra people to help do those, you know, those drawer stories, those fill in episodes. um, and uh and robert was kind enough to let us you know come up with some ideas and try and pitch him. of course the day we were supposed to go in and pitch he got fired so so, <laughs> so that so that fell apart but um but we kept at it you know eventually it worked out um but one thing i would like to say like you know John being one of the, you know, the favorite, my favorite people to have ever collaborated with. I worked with a lot of great people like on, on projects that, that most people might not be aware of because they either haven't been collected. Like I did an X-Men, uh, Hellfire Club miniseries with Charlie Adlard. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, I did, uh, you know, the, the Legend of the Hawkman miniseries with, with Michael Lark that, I mean, I, you know, these, these are people who made my stories better than they were on the page, you know? By bringing them to life in, in, with their art um, Turned them into something special And, and, and you know, I, w- I wish that the publishers would Sort of find a way to You know, you see everything that gets collected after four issues And you're like, you know Hawkman was a, was a prestige format miniseries and it's, that, that was designed to be a trade paperback Maybe someday it will be
0: I do I do feel more and more that well, especially Marvel, less with D C but more Marvel eventually will collect everything. There's been some weird stuff from the nineties that has made its way into print in weird places. So I always yeah. think everything will eventually come out. It may not, you know, be as quickly as sometimes we like. Like there was a weird uh it was a book called Conspiracy that I loved. It was a Marvel book. Yeah. I think it was from like ninety eight. Yeah. And that showed up in a I think a Marvel's it was it was it was a Marvel's trade paperback, with basically books that were Obviously inspired by the feeling of Marvels, but had nothing to do with Marvels at all. And yeah. I, I, I loved that miniseries when I was younger, and then it finally came out, and I was like, I never thought that would ever happen. So eventually, these things do happen.
1: Right, right, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I'm not going to hold my breath. Uh, it's nice to see some of them are, you know, available digitally on Comicsology. But like, you know, I just would like a hard
0: copy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I'm just before we let you go. I'm just curious. So. When eventually, so you're doing, you know, you're in Hollywood, you're you're writing for different TV series. How do you end up on The Flash? And does that end up feeling like you're coming full circle? Um, I mean, a little bit. Like, you know, we...
1: Uh, you know, Derek and I, like I said, it took us it took us eight years of trying to break into the to the industry. We went through you know a, a lot of the studios have writing programs you can submit to, and we kept you know submitting scripts, getting rejected, and then eventually we got accepted to one called uh, Writers on the Verge, which was the NBC Universal program, and uh, that got us our first job in television on Warehouse 13, which um, you know was a wonderful experience. We were on that show from the beginning to the very end for five seasons. Um, uh, we used to shoot in Toronto. I don't, you're, are you in Toronto? We're in, we're
0: I am in Toronto. in Toronto. Actually, I didn't even know that, but yes, <laughs> yes,
1: yes, we did. And then we used to go to Silver Snail whenever we were out there. Nice. Uh, and uh, it was just, you know, it was it was just a great um, a great start in you know into that world. You know, as that was happening, then things like Arrow came out, and then Flash, and and you sort of, you know, you saw the um, the, the, the the rise of the, of the superhero television show, and and sort of. Uh, you know it took a little while to get there, but when we got our we got to do a, a freelance episode of the Flash uh, in season two where we wrote the episode that introduced King Shark, which was really cool and, 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 and super comic booky. Um, <laughs> and you know we made a good enough impression on the producers that they decided to bring us on to the show for season three. And we were there for that season. Um, and then after that, uh, we um, you know we left sort of that camp for a little while and then came back for Arrow which we did season 7 and 8 um, and it's just you know it's just it's been great being able to tell stories based on the things that made us want to be writers in the first place and that's comics and that's it's a, it's, it's a gift and it's not something we take for granted and like you know every day you just sort of like oh I can't believe that this is this is you know the golden age we're living in I mean I, I haven't watched last night's episode of Watchmen so uh, you know the finale I don't want to be spoiled but I, you <laughs> know, I can't wait Everyone's freaking out about it, uh, it saying so great and it, and, it, and it has been a great season and just imagine you know 10 15 years ago like none of this would have been possible but here it all is and, and uh, it's pretty
0: cool absolutely I have, a, I have a question about you know and this is maybe a very naive one but when you're when you're working on shows like the Flash or Arrow like how many people in there kind of do have the kind of comic book? bona fides that you do well maybe not as writers but like as people who were fans or you know what does that kind of makeup of the room look like or is it interesting to kind of see who doesn't know about the comics and just kind of knows about this type of world well there's definitely a mix
1: i mean you you don't just want nerds like us you want you (laughs) want people who are because because then then all you're going to get is a very comic booky television show and i don't mean that to disparage comics i just mean that to say that the 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 needs of of a specific network that might produce a show, or you know, or a studio, um, is is different than, and what their expectations are for the kinds of stories they want to tell are different than what we do in comics. So you want to have a, a healthy mix. You want to have some people who absolutely have no idea about it, because guess what, they're going to bring things that elevate, you know, the story in a way that the comics portion doesn't. And then you want the experts like us, who, when something is very, you know, grounded and real become hyper real because you bring in a, a, a more fantastical element mm-hmm. um, I've worked with people that are diehards and I have worked with people that have that know nothing and and it, like I said it's just it's 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 that kind of synergy that makes the the TV shows that are based on this source material I think better I think you see a certain love of um, the, 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 the comic book medium um, on screen because people do come to it with a passion but sometimes that passion is just for television and mm-hmm. it's not comics you know. so I, 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 I think if you, if, if you have to have a balance I think that's
0: basically what I'm saying for sure I'm, in, I'm intrigued the idea that you have a writing partner only because it feels like a, a natural thing for someone who's come from comic books to be able to, I mean everything about comics is collaborative because you have the editors you have yeah. the writers and the artists and you have to all work together to create this vision so it kind of makes sense that you know, you wouldn't have to be a writer writing things on your own, but that you would have a writing partner and you'd be able to collaborate because everything about the way you were kind of taught to write was collaborative.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I I love being able to sort of work with an artist. You know, like a lot of times you work with someone they're in a foreign country, they don't speak your language. It's it's hard to do it then. But in the instances where you can, you know, communicate with the people that are making the thing that you're going to publish, It's fantastic, and television is is very much a team sport. You know, on on an even grander scale. You know, on on, on, in a comics masthead, you might see you know the names of six people. On a TV you know show, you've got hundreds of people working. Whether it's the you know the the dozen people in the in the writers' room and in in the the writer's office, or the two hundred people on set who are you know the actors, the crew, you know
0: the the, the catering. Like it's it's all a team a team sport. Absolutely. Uh, Before we sign off, is there anything else that you'd like to say that you're working on or to tell us about that we can look for? As you said, you're you're working on a graphic novel that will be announced in a few months, but is there anything else you can kind of tease? Um,
1: Got a couple of things in television that we're developing. Don't want to say just yet. Um, Just let's all keep our fingers crossed because, you know, like like I said before, nothing's guaranteed. For sure.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Well, Ben, thank you so so much for spending so much of your time with us today, and uh, I look forward to seeing what you have coming out next.
1: Uh, My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Take care.